You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 66. Hey guys, happy Monday. So do you have a dog and you have a baby? Or are you still pregnant and you have a dog? And maybe you're worried about the communication or the transition between your dog and bringing your baby home. Well, this is a really good episode to tune into. I thought this was a pretty cool topic because I have quite a few dog owners, I would think, that listen to the podcast. And this is a question or a topic that I think gets thrown around. Um, You know, if you have a dog at home and you're about to have a baby, like, What are, you know, maybe some things that I need to do before my baby gets home to prep my dog for my baby being here? Like, what kind of tips can I do once my baby's home for a smooth transition? I found Michelle. Michelle is a certified professional dog trainer, and she came on the podcast today to talk to us all about these things, and it was a really, really cool episode. So Michelle, like I said, is a certified professional dog trainer. She is a dog behavioral consultant, a mom, and a former classroom teacher as well. She's got over 16 years of teaching experience, and she loves both the human and canine members of dog families, which shows in her warm and supportive demeanor with her clients. She specializes in working with families who are expecting babies and those who already have children and dogs too. So she came onto the podcast today and we talked about all of the cool things. If you are a dog owner and you're about to have a baby or you just had a baby, you probably want to know all of these tips for a smooth transition, maybe some warning signs to look out for um, in your dog around your baby because... That's definitely something that we all need to know as dog owners. And we also talked about a common issue that I think a lot of people face. I personally felt this um, when I, my dog's not with us anymore, but when I had a baby and I had her, I felt like I started to neglect my dog because I was so focused on my baby. So we ended and talked about that issue as well and some things to kind of help with that. It was a really cool episode, so let's get right into it. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a true honor. Yeah, yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff? Sure, yeah. So I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've got two kiddos, a biological daughter who's 20 and an adopted son who is 18, which makes me feel really old when I say that out loud. (laughs) So I'm going to pretend I didn't just say that. Um, You're two and four, right? I, yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, it feels like that sometimes. Um, I Let's see. I was a teacher for 16 years. I taught high school for eight years, and I founded a cooking school for children for another eight years and oh. mostly focused on teaching toddlers to cook, of all things, 
which is a thing. It is doable. Okay. Um, I like this. (laughs) I know that was crazy, but it it did teach me a lot about child development. Of course, so did raising my own children. And I am now returned to my true love of dogs and I am a certified professional dog trainer and a uh, behavior dog behavior consultant. And so what I decided to do was to take all of my knowledge as a teacher and as a mom and my compassion for other moms and apply that to my dog training business. And so I specialize in families who have kids and dogs or who are expecting or in the process of adopting um, and have dogs because there's a lot we can do to get dogs ready for that gigantic transition in their family. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I just had somebody this weekend, actually, one of my patients, and she we were chatting about she had a dog at home, and she one of the thing one of the tips that I've heard, and you'll probably talk about this more in, in the episode, um, is to take the baby blanket home to have that have the dog like smell the baby blanket before they. Like, I knew you were going to say that. Yes, they see the baby. <laughs> so we were. T- she was talking about that. She was like, "I've heard this tip. Can I just take the baby blanket?" And I was like, "Sure." Um, so, but yeah, yes. no, definitely, definitely a topic. Um, if you have a dog, you've researched probably or Google searched or done some sort of research on like, okay, what do I do with my, now I'm bringing a baby home and you know, what kind of sorts of things do I have to think about with my dog? So might be surprised though. I have to say, I am really surprised at how few people are doing the kind of research that you and I would expect them to do. So for example, you know how it's normal to have a prenatal visit or many, obviously, and it's normal to order equipment or to have a shower or to, Mm -hmm. you know, send out baby announcements. Like all those things are normal, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that getting help for how to parent kids and dogs at the same time is normal to most people yet. And I would like to change that because it should be because we want to keep your dog from making a mistake and we want to keep your newborn safe. So, and then of course we want to keep the parents feeling sane because it's always scary to add a new baby to your family, regardless of your experience level with dogs. You just never really know what's going to happen. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love it. That was a great intro. So obviously guys, today we are going to be talking all about some tips and tricks for you. If you are a a dog owner and you're either pregnant or you just had a baby um, and you need some tips on, you know, what to do with your dog. And now that you're a parent, it's, it's just a different dynamic. So I have a few questions here for you, Michelle, we're just going to okay. kind of go through them and feel free, you know, obviously to add whatever other kind of tips and tricks. Um, if I don't okay. specifically ask you about something, cause I know you okay. got a lot of knowledge in, oh, in that gosh, brain of yours. I do. <laughs> you may have to reel me in. I can get really excited. No, I, lo- I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. So this first one is what are some of the first things I should do to prep my my dog before my baby comes home? Are there any particular tips or like will all training come kind of after baby comes home? I'm sure that's probably a myth. Like that's a no to that last last (laughs) question. There's probably some stuff that you can prep for, but what do you have to say about that? (laughs) I love that question because I think a lot of parents sort of take a let's wait and see attitude and see how it goes. But I do know, and maybe this is confessing my type A personality too much. So forgive me, but maybe it's just that I like to be prepared for things. And so I assume that other people do too. Um, But I do think that you can set yourself up for success if you do prepare your dog before the baby comes home. And ideally, like 
you can start as soon as the second you find out you're pregnant. And I know that sounds a little extreme and a little ridiculous, Mm -hmm. but I would much rather you start preparing early than the week before the baby is due to be born, because there's a lot that has to happen. And honestly, because I've been pregnant, I know how it may feel in your body because I know how it felt in my body to just be really tired and distracted and excitable about all sorts of things and really not to be fully present to think Mm -hmm. about extra stuff. I mean, I was doing crazy things like cleaning out the nooks and crannies in my washing machine, but not, (laughs) oh my gosh, I know I got a a nesting thing. Yes, I did that too. (laughs) I felt totally psycho, but yes, I did that. But in any case, but, but you have, those are natural instincts and training your dog is not going to necessarily fall within the realm of your energy capacity at that point in your pregnancy. So starting early, I always think is a really super idea. Now, um, I actually made a class. The very first thing I did when the pandemic happened and I couldn't see clients in person is I made this class, which is called preparing dog for new baby. And the only reason I did it is because everybody asks the same questions. And I thought, you know what, let's just be efficient. Let me help everybody. And I'm going to answer all these things at the same time. But I do want to say that um, I do have, there's a free download on my website, which is poochparenting.net that is called six gosh, I forget what it's called. Something like six training goals before baby comes. And you can just go get that and start there because a lot of your listeners probably know some basic dog training skills. Um, And if they don't, they can find somebody who can help them or I would be happy to help them. But generally there are several things that really matter and will make your life a million times easier once once the baby comes home. Mm -hmm. So for example, it really helps if your dog is comfortable behind a barrier. So what I mean by that is a baby gate is a good example, or a pen is a good example. Um, Some dogs are comfortable in a crate. But when I say barrier, the reason I say that is because new parent, any parents, doesn't matter whether you have teenagers or babies, you can't watch everybody all the time. And so sometimes you need separation so that you can literally function because you can't make dinner and watch the dog and watch the baby all at the same time. It's just impossible. And some dogs have a really hard time being separated from you. And so it's better that you start before the baby shows up because that is the biggest wake up call. Does that make sense? Like why that could be valuable. And I want you like use your imagination of like the world's most disgusting diaper and a dog barging in and trying to get up in that. (laughs) That's really a bad idea. So being able to stick up a baby gate and say, you know what? You hang out over here while I contend with this mess and I can take care of everybody. And I'm going to be way less stressed if I don't have to fight, you know, get in the way of the dog and body block the dog who's trying to drop, trying to pick up something that I dropped that might be smelly or dangerous or whatever. So that is one thing that is really remarkable and is very, very helpful. Um, But that list, that free list has a lot of other ideas. It really helps if you can teach your dog to lay on a mat which seems weird, but let's pretend you are nursing the baby or feeding the baby and you could put a mat on the floor and that mat becomes a magnet and your dog knows to lay on that mat. Can you imagine what a relief it would be to not have your dog like poke you in the boob and you lose the latch? You just tried 50 minutes to try to, you know, so things like that to be able to say, Hey, you know what? This is where I want you to be because dogs crave direction. They crave 
you telling them what they can do right because they want to do right. And we can set them up for success or we can set them up for failure based on the lack of direction that we provide for them. So those are two really good examples of things that we can do um, to get our dog ready before the baby comes home. But there are six of my top ones listed. Well, I love it. Well, we'll definitely add those links too to the show notes page for people to check it out, check it out and get all those tips. Cause that sounds very, very, uh, as you're talking, I'm just like, Oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, yes, that makes so much sense. Never thought <laughs> so of that. Bad. Okay, yes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so what about once baby is home, what sort of tips can you provide uh, for moms like once or parent, you know, parents once everybody gets home for a smooth transition, no biting, no scratch, you know, the, mm-hmm. those sorts of tips once everybody's home. Okay. So I'm going to back you up just a smidge and I want to address the fact that you have to get home first, Okay, right? Because your dog (laughs) is likely to be very excited to see you if you gave birth somewhere other than at your house, right? So even if you did a home birth, it's probably not the best idea that your dog stayed home because hearing you uncomfortable would be very stressful for most dogs. So if you did a home birth, for example, then the dog might be elsewhere at your friend's house or babysitter's house. And then the dog comes home and is excited to see you, or you give birth somewhere else and you come home and the dog is very excited to see you because you've been gone. And the length of time you've been gone, of course, will vary based on your birthing experience, but the dog will treat you as if you were gone for a million years, because that's that's why we love our dogs, right? It's so (laughs) nice. Okay. So first of all, what we, what we have to do is we need to make sure that that new mom gets into the house safely um, without being bumped and, you know, knocked over or whatever by a dog. Um, Because I want to make sure that our new moms are cared for and that they don't get jostled unnecessarily because their bodies are probably sore. I know that mine was, I'm maybe projecting, but let's just assume you're going through. Right. Okay. So I'm not going to pretend that's not a thing. Okay. Oh, it's a thing. (laughs) Okay, good. Especially right. if you talk about, you know, if you've had a C-section too and you have some oh, yeah. your scar. I mean, that's Yeah. Okay. So so you've been through it, right? You've really been yeah. through the ringer and we need to make sure that mom gets in the house. So I want to give some advice on even just that simplest of steps, which is to say that whoever was watching the dog hopefully is still there at the house. Maybe it's grandparents, who knows. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the time of a pandemic, we may not have people there. So it would be ideal though, in a dream world, I would like somebody to leash the dog or dogs so that the dog can't just throw itself in excitement at the new mom who may be sore. Mm -hmm. I don't even want the baby to be part of the picture just yet, right? So baby is maybe still in the car seat, in the car, whatever. There's one parent maybe staying with the baby. Mom carefully makes her way in the house and someone has the dogs on a leash to ensure that she can safely come in, give the dogs some love without the baby even part of the picture. Mm-hmm. Now I do want to mention, and we will talk about the baby blanket thing because I do think it's important to talk about later, but yeah. mom will smell like the baby at this point. Okay? okay. So the start of the baby smell in the house enters the second mama walks in the door. Okay. And pretty okay. soon the smell of the baby fills the entire house and yes. <laughs> you know, right. It just yeah. does. And dogs yeah. have a huge portion of their brain devoted to olfactory nerves and mm-hmm. cells and all those things. And so they know that there's something different, which is fine. Something is different every time you bring home a new lamp or a bag of groceries too. Wow. Right. So this is yeah. important because 
I don't want parents to be so worried that this is a make or break situation for their future relationship, right? And Instagram and Facebook and YouTube really set the stage erroneously, in my opinion, and make people think that they have to make some perfect video that shows the dog in love and all the stuff. And that is a dangerous misconception. And I do not want parents to think about that. I don't want them to think about photo ops. What I want them to do is think about marathon, not sprint, marathon, not sprint over and over and over again. And I'm going to have my baby for like, you know, 18 plus years, however long this child lives in your house. And I'm going to hopefully have this dog for the next many years. And they have time to develop a bond. This is not something I have to rush and be like, here, sniff the baby. Okay. That is dangerous and it's not safe. So, okay. So mama gets in the house, the dog's on a leash. Mom can greet the dogs. If the dogs are overexcited, one thing I like to do ideally, um, and this is a little bit addressed in that class that I mentioned too, um, preparing dog for baby is, you know, maybe somebody exercises the dogs before you get home. Maybe you call the person and say, Hey, we're going to be home in two hours. We're being discharged soon they can walk the dog. So the dog's not over the top, like energetic bouncing off the walls in general. Then maybe the other parent greets the dog again without the baby, right? Hello. Hello. We're all excited because the last thing I want is for a dog to let's say greet dad or greet the other parent while that parent is carrying the car seat or has a new baby in their arms and somebody gets bumped or you know, God forbid drops that whatever. So we need safe. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So we need each parent to greet the dog separately before baby even comes in the house. Then I prefer that the baby is carried into the house in the infancy. If child professionals say that that's safe to do, because I don't Mm want to give bad baby advice, but Mm -hmm. if it is safe to carry the infant um, in that seat, then do so because I like that it's contained, it's strapped in, then we can take the baby out once it's in the house later. But then I like to put the car seat on the couch or on a table elevated, not on the floor where a dog can stand over it, where a dog could accidentally step on it. And even, even it could be next to mom, wherever she's sitting, right. Where we have, somebody has a hand on that seat. Mm -hmm. And then I like to have somebody walk the dog on a leash past the car seat. We don't need to stop yet. Or you can then lead the dog up, sniff the toes, one, two, three seconds. And then we move away with lots of treats to reward the dog for leaving. I don't want this to be a big, obsessive, big deal. It doesn't need to be. Did I answer the question you're asking? Because I know that I think what you were getting at was more of a day-to-day, like we do have to function day-to-day, but I do think it's worth mentioning that homecoming piece is pretty important. Um, And I I do go into it deeper in my, I do have another workshop that's called Your First Week Home with Baby and Dog. And I dive in a lot more to to that, you know, really, this is a checklist here, do this, do this, then this, then this. And it's very clear Um, because there's a lot of doubt. And I really you know, I love social media, but I curse it at the same time because I oh, think I'm, it right gives <laughs> misinformation. And that's why I love your account is that you are a trusted source of really great information yeah, and you. you present it in a way that's digestible and understandable. And I'm hoping to do that for people as well. With Yeah, you're the dog. You're the dog mommy labor nurse, right? <laughs> <laughs> dog mommy. I love that. I got to change my name. Right. We, we're going into partnership. You didn't right. know it yet. 
All right. Well, this next one, no, I love, I think you answered that perfectly. That's, that's what I was wanting from that, from that uh, question. Okay. So this next one is about breeds and uh, you know, everybody has different kind of dog. Not, not all dogs are the same. I'm sure you know that. Well, yes. uh, you know, the best of all of us, right? Uh, so I know that certain breeds they say are better with children than others. Um, if somebody would have a breed that is like one of those more either aggressive or just not as good with kids, do you have any tips for them who um, might have one of those types of breeds oh, or is geez. that just like not even a thing? I, I'm no, it, I love this. Um, <laughs> okay. this is a complicated and loaded question because okay. we need to acknowledge that for most families, I mean, I'm not going to generalize, but, but I yeah. would say that it is very common that families have a dog before they have a child. It's like their practice child, yes. you know, and, and they yes. call it their first baby. My dog was yes. my first baby. I hear that all the time or my fur baby. And so we have to be really careful to acknowledge that their fur baby does not want to be bad or naughty or dangerous or whatever. And we have to work with the dog that the person has, right? This is the dog you've got. And this is the dog that you're bringing your baby home to. So we need to make this work regardless. Now, there are some dogs that I would be really worried about, but not based on breed. It would be based on past behavior. Uh, So if a dog has a bite history to people, mm -hmm. I would be worried about adding a child to a family with that dog. Mm -hmm. It is possibly workable, but I would use extra caution because as you know, when you have a new baby, you have a lot more people visiting you, whether Mm -hmm. it's delivery drivers, food drivers, Amazon drivers, you know, or grandparents or neighbors and people are nosy and everybody wants to see the new baby. I'm, I love seeing new babies myself, so I can speak to that. Yeah. Babies are just the best. (laughs) Babies and puppies are such good bait. Oh my gosh. But the point is, is that if you're going to be having people coming over and you have a dog that's in distress and feels that it needs to use its teeth on people in order to either protect you or to protect itself or to protect your house or, or God forbid, because it thinks it's fun, um, then I'm worried, right? Yeah. And we can talk about that. And if that is the case, if any of your listeners um, have a dog with a bite history, then as soon as possible, find a positive reinforcement dog trainer who can help you set things up so that we can maximize success or to have a really hard conversation. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into that here because it's yeah. it always makes me cry and whatever. It's sad. But it's sad. But yes. it is, but I but we have to pretend we can't pretend that it's not an issue. Okay. Okay. Because too many people wear rose colored glasses and just assume things are going to be fine. And in my line of work, I know for a fact that things aren't always fine because that's why they call me. They call me after the dog bit the baby when grandma was watching or when the babysitter was watching or when they were watching. And then there's all the guilt and it's horrible. Yeah. But I need to say people don't know what they don't know. And that's why we're doing this podcast today. So I'm so honored to be here with you because if I can help anybody feel like they can get through, get through it. And it's a process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's get back to the dog breed thing. Cause I do think it's important that we also remember that every dog, just like every human is an individual. So mm-hmm. we do not make generalizations, right? So generalizations are unfair. 
they are often warranted, for example, with breed characteristics because dogs, like let's say a, a working line border collie. Okay. Let's take that mm-hmm. dog. Most of us can picture that in our head. We imagine a dog working sheep and it is down on the ground and it is excited and it knows how to get around and move those sheep from point A to point B. It is in its DNA. Now you could imagine that that border collie, when your toddler starts moving around, that that border collie is going to herd your toddler. Is that border collie a bad dog? (laughs) Heck no. But is that border collie doing what it was bred to do for hundreds of years? Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. Now, that is not to say that that one border collie might not love or hate children, right? So this is where I mean by the individuality, right? So breeds in general, have certain characteristics, right? A a Belgian Malinois, which is often used for police work, is a very intense, hardworking breed. It is not known for being amazingly lovable to lots and lots of people. Does that mean you can't have a child if you have a Malinois? No, it doesn't. But you have to be extra careful because of the dog's breed tendencies. Now, within every breed, there are individual characteristics. So I have a sad story about a client of mine who got a golden retriever because they are quote, good family dogs. And I know that I know that they have that reputation. And I do think that most of the time that reputation is, is warranted. It's fine. They're lovely. However, this one wasn't, and it had some kind of issue. I don't know if it was neurological or what, but this puppy became really inappropriately aggressive and not just in a cute puppy bitey way, all puppies bite. I've seen this. I've taught puppy classes. I've seen a lot of puppies. This dog was different and they were crushed. They were devastated because they got this dog because it was supposed to be good with kids. So just do your homework, you know, know the dog you have, try to really be honest about the dog you have. Um, I would say that small dogs, um, Some small dogs can be very defensive of their body because they're so used to being manipulated without their consent all the time. Mm -hmm. So I want you to think about, yeah, yeah, and without, without their consent, you know, they're just swooped down and picked up and tossed around and it's really kind of an unfair thing. And so a lot of really tiny dogs like Chihuahuas, for example, are often very defensive and they don't like being approached by people because they can't trust them. And I don't blame them. I was a really small child and I got picked up a lot by people because they thought I was like a toy and I hated it. And I started cringing like, oh God, here comes the person who always picks me up. And that's how the dog feels. So again, you know, some small dogs, like one of my favorites is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. They're just so sweet and so gentle, but again, not all of them are. You know, yeah. so you can make these generalizations, but we also have to acknowledge individuality. Well, I love that. I was, that's perfect. And that makes so much sense. So as we're talking about these di- more difficult traits, you, we can call them traits now. It's not just <laughs> yes. breeds that I've learned. Thank um, you. So I love that. <laughs> so what about um, some warning signs? If, you know, are there any sort of like warning signs that... I need to watch out for, or like, let's say I do have maybe not a dog that has a, a huge bite history, but maybe I do have a breed um, that, or maybe I've had a, you know, my dog had XYZ happened and it ha- it's, he's been good for a really long time, but I'm just still a little bit concerned. Are there any sort of warning signs that 
you know, or just kind of red flag things that yes. I should be looking at. God, for. this is such, <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics. Yeah. I hope you have all day. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, okay. So, <laughs> so, um, okay. Dog body language is remarkable. Yeah. And again, you don't know what you don't know. And so a lot of people just make assumptions that they see a dog, let's say, lick its lips and they just assume that it's hungry or they just assume that it had a, gla- a, dr- a glass of water. So what am I thinking? I'm looking at my glass of water. <laughs> had a drink of water, right? And Or or it yawns and they think, oh, the dog is tired or the dog just yeah. woke up. And context is everything. Yeah. And so when we look at a dog's body language, they are communicating constantly. And so I often hear things like, he bit my son out of nowhere, but that is almost never true okay. because there are always different kinds of warning signs that happen before that, kind of like the yellow light in a traffic light, right? Yeah. Green, you're good to go. Yellow, you better slow down. Red, stop. Dog body language is often that yellow light that says, Warning, you know, pay attention, something bigger is coming, right? So mm-hmm. the growl, of course, is like the big daddy, the Mac yeah. daddy of warning signs that yeah. if a dog is pushed to the limit where it growls, you better back the heck up because that dog is at, you know, is saying, listen, I warned you, buddy. I warned you these six other ways with my body and you didn't notice. So now I'm growling and I will use my teeth on you if you do not listen to me. Okay. Now my dream, if I can, if I can fantasize for a moment, my dream is that as dog families, we never allow our dog to get to the point where it feels that it even needs to growl because we're watching and we know how to recognize all of those yellow lights before they turn into a growl. So we recognize, for example, that the dog's tail just went down or that their ears pinned back against Mm -hmm. their head or that their jaw, which was loose and happy, is now tightly shut. Mm -hmm. Or there's a wrinkle in the forehead in just such a place that I could, you know, that I could recognize, but maybe most people wouldn't. Um, Or that the dog starts to look away. Like, Mm. I'm going to pretend I'm not here. Don't mind me, you know, because a lot of dogs will try to diffuse a situation by using their body language as if to say, I mean, no threat to you. Please go away. I need Mm. you to leave. Otherwise, I'm going to start getting really worried and then I might growl and then I might bite. Now, what's super important at this point is you're watching all this, right? Because your dogs and your kids are never left alone Mm. and that you notice these things as early as possible. And you never allow access between your kiddo and your dog so that the baby could ever even be at risk of being bitten or growled at or whatever, because they're never physically in contact, right? So either there's a baby gate or you're holding the baby. So obviously the dog can't get to the baby or you're sitting on the couch with the dog on one side of your body and the baby on the other side of your body, right? Mm -hmm. So you're preventing contact in case something goes wrong. Because it can happen in the blink of an eye. A lot of bites yeah. are watched by the parents and they had no yeah. idea it was about to come. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this last one is actually a personal, um, what this, this was, this is what I felt like happened with my dog. My dog has passed away now. Uh, when did she pass away? It was, it was like 
early Corona time. Oh, um, so she was sorry. very, yeah, it's okay. She was very old. She was like 14. Um, she was a little Maltese and bless mm. her heart. Like she was just very sweet, but she was having issues for a whole year. She had um, seizures and strokes and it, they think she, she had like a brain tumor um, oh, and no. she just had like a really bad episode and couldn't recover and we had to put her down. But anyways, I had a lot of guilt when I brought um, my first one home because I think this happens. I mean, I think this happens a lot of the time that you bring a baby home and you're so concerned with the baby that you end up, you know, not spending as much time with your dog and then feeling guilt. Like that's how I felt with my dog that I feel so guilty. Like I can't you know, spend the necessary time with my dog. Cause I'm like too, my brain is too wired into this baby. So this question is more of a personal question for me too, <laughs> but I think a lot of people also struggle with this, that they're afraid of neglecting their dog once baby arrives. Um, so do you have any tips on how to prevent that from happening or like, you know, just once if that happens, you know, how that happens all that, all that good stuff. Yes, that is a great question. Um, that is a topic I do dive into a lot in that workshop, your first week home, because moms are really good at beating themselves up over what they do, what they have done, what they might do, what they might not do. You know, we just, we envision every horrible scenario and then we are not good at giving ourselves grace. And so I do talk about that. And um, I have a whole list of things like simple bonding activities you can do with your dog, um, okay. even when baby's there. And I know it sounds silly, but I'm going to give you one example that sounds ridiculous. Okay. And I, love it. <laughs> I, I do this a lot. I give weird advice, but I do think it, it works. So for example, you can play with bubbles, you know, just like- okay. a, thing of bubbles because a lot of dogs love to chase bubbles and they think it's really fun. And so you could even be on the couch. You could be nursing the baby and you can blow bubbles and the dog can run around and chase the bubbles. (laughs) And then the dog is feeling like it's spending time with you and doing something fun and getting out some energy at the same time. (laughs) Um, so I know that sounds really silly and weird, but, um, but it makes oh, sense cute. to me that's, and it that, seems that so super yeah. fun. And the other yeah. thing about it is that it's safe because you're moving the dog away from your body to yeah. go chase those bubbles. So it's not only interactive, but it's also safe because you are having the dog be included in the family activities, which then also frankly builds a positive association for the dog that when mom is holding the baby, and we're playing this really fun game that the baby yeah. must not be a terrible creature because yeah. it's not always taking mom's attention away from me. Yeah. So I like that activity because it builds trust and it builds a nice positive feeling. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see the baby in mom's arms, but when I see the baby, sometimes I get to play fun games. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a fun example. Um, I also have a list in that same workbook, um, a list of activities that, I originally used to call them visitors, but I am friends with a doula who encouraged me to reframe visitors as helpers. And I love that so much. And what she said was, if they're not going to help, they don't get to visit. 
So we're going to call them helpers instead. And I thought that was genius. So I I want everyone to do that. And so I literally made a whole list of helper tasks that can help with the dog. Now they could also help with the baby. So you could spend time with the dog as well, because it wouldn't be the end of the world for somebody to hold your new baby and you can walk around the block with your dog or play in the backyard or, you know, do a food finding game with your dog for two minutes or, you know, or even take some alone time. Let's be honest, we are not good at things like showering. So let's get those helpers helping so that we can, and honestly, you could even shower and have the dog in the bathroom with you. And that's still bonding time. Honestly, it sounds absurd that something as simple as alone time while you're taking a shower, but that dog will really appreciate it. Or, you know, you bring the dog in the shower and then in the shower too. And, you know, know. depending on the dog, that's a great idea. (laughs) Right. That's a great idea. Well, I love this. Um, Thank you so much. Do you have any last tips for anybody? I know we're going to share your resources. You have a lot of stuff on your website. Um, So any last tips for people who maybe are listening and they're about to have a baby and they're nervous about their dog or they just need a last minute tip? Um, Oh, that's such a good question. I, (laughs) I think honestly, when in doubt, just reach out and ask yeah. for help. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of really amazing dog trainers out there and I can give you a list of resources so that people can find a positive reinforcement dog trainer, but I'm going to put a caveat on that, which is to say that a lot of dog trainers do not have experience with children. Some of them do, okay. but okay. many of them don't. And so, you know, you can come to somebody like me if you want, who, you know, has that, or you can ask them directly. How comfortable are you around children? How comfortable are you around? And I'm going to say this because it's important around children with disabilities, around people with disabilities, around different learning styles, you know, whatever. But I do think that it's important to ask that person specifically, do you know which child developmental stages might be harder for my dog? Mm -hmm. Um, Because Some people are really going to want to find a local trainer. I see all of my clients over video, which is wonderful because it means I can help anybody. Um, But some people really want somebody there who can put their hands on the situation. And that's great. But you need to ask the right questions and make sure that, um, you know, that you're getting the support that you need. For sure. No, that's that's really good advice to make sure that they have experience with children as well, because yeah, I quit. I mean, I would think a lot of the time, you know, maybe you want, you're wanting training before, but like not to do with children at all. So I'm sure that a lot of dog trainers just don't right with children. Yeah. And also I, I would just say that, that you need to know that you're not alone. And there yeah, are a lot of yeah. people who are in your shoes and no matter what happens on social media, it's not easy for everybody. Um, I, I have a brand new podcast called the pooch parenting podcast and in it includes some interviews with parents. Um, it includes listener questions. So if you have any question, you can actually record it like on a voice memo. I can tell you how Mm. to do that and I'll include that in a future episode and answer that for you. Um, but you need to know that you are not, alone. I have a lot of guest experts and people going to come on who are, you know, even therapists who deal with guilt or the loss of a pet or, you know, all of the things that we're all going through um, and to help you make that easier and hopefully help you not be harder on yourself than is necessary. 
Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Can you remind our listeners, I know we've talked a little bit about your website and your new podcast that you're, that you're coming out with. Um, Can you just remind listeners where they can find you everywhere on the internet? Yes. Follow along. Um, (laughs) On the interwebs, I am at Pooch Parenting on Facebook and at Pooch Parenting on Instagram. And my new podcast is called Pooch Parenting or the Pooch Parenting Podcast, I guess. And my website is www.poochparenting.net. Awesome. Awesome. And then you can get all those resources that we talked about on your website, correct? Yes. Awesome. Cool. Well, we'll leave all those links below for people who want to check you out and follow along. Michelle, thank Thank you so much for coming on. It was such a joy. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Are you looking for birth education? Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money back guarantee. So if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up, and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code PODCASTLISTENER. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcastlistener to save 20%. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast, so I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. 